Garland introduce, um, and then let him introduce Richard in a moment. Mark is a photographer and a curator based in South Africa. His photographic works have been exhibited internationally and are held in major public and private collections. Since 2003, Mark has also worked extensively with the Mandela Rhodes Foundation. His acclaimed portraits of Nelson Mandela form part of the Mandela visual legacy. In 2007, Mark Staines co-founded Ebony. With two gallery spaces in South Africa, Ebony exhibits works of both young and established artists from across the continent. In 2010, Mark was introduced to, uh, invited to curate and direct the newly formed Museum of Modern Art in Equatorial Guinea. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for coming. Um, sitting uh, opposite me is Richard Mudariki. Um, I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity to see Richard's works uh, at the fair. Um, there's not many up because quite a lot have been sold, which I'm delighted for Richard. Um, Richard was born in um, 19, I need my glasses to remember, in 1985 in Harare. Um, he studied art under the mentorship of Helen Lirios and Greg Shaw, predominantly at Gallery Delta, and he obtained a BA Honours degree in archaeology, cultural heritage studies, and museum studies from Midland State University in 2009. Uh, he came backwards and forwards to Cape Town over, I think, quite a few times, three, three times. Yeah, three times, yeah. And settled um, full-time in 2011. Yes. Is that correct? That's correct. And he is a full-time professional artist uh, residing in South Africa. He's had a considerable number of group shows in Zimbabwe uh, from 2003 onwards, and his first solo exhibition was held at Johannes Borman Fine Art in 2012, and this was titled My Reality. Uh, it was also a sellout. Um, he has exhibited extensively worldwide. He describes himself as an original modernist, full of social commentary, uh, and he's commenting on various contemporary issues in Africa and beyond. He's represented uh, by Johannes Bormann in uh, Cape Town and Art Co., uh, who are exhibiting here internationally. Um, and we want to keep this really quite informal. Uh, I think we've all sat in artist talks and conversations, which can be quite dry. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk and have a conversation over about yeah. 40 minutes, yes. and there is an opportunity for questions um, after that. And um, feel free to um, ask Richard if you've got to ask me something, but I'm delighted, but you know, uh, address Richard uh, you know, and ask him any questions, and hopefully we'll, we'll come up some interesting points that uh, might excite you enough to throw a couple of questions our way. Richard has also put together um, some images which I'd like to start off with, because you, know, you may not know his work. Um, and actually, I'm quite interested, how many of you know Richard Mudariki, and how many of you have seen his work? Okay, so that's actually quite a small percentage of yeah. you, um, which is interesting to me, because obviously I know Richard quite well. Uh, and I think if you walk around the fair, you might just see one painting on the wall at the moment. Actually, three up so on the wall. The three on the wall. Yes, so there yeah. have been more, some have sold and some have come down. Yes. Um, so, and there were none last year, and there was uh, one work at the very first 154. Yes, yeah. So if you'll just indulge me, we're just going to run through some images for you from really quite an early stage in Richard's career. Yes. Um, just to give you some idea of really what we're going to be talking about. Because I think when you see the images, you'll get a sense that Richard has quite a unique 
identity. And you know, when you look at what's on offer at 154, and also some of the work being produced across the continent, I mean, Richard, to my mind, really does stand out. Um, so let's see. Now, these things quite often don't work, so let's see. Oh, yeah, okay. So I think also, can Richard, you know, we can also talk through. Some of these are very early works. Yeah, these are my early works, yeah. So this, uh, if I can explain a bit, this was the first time I started using the checkerboards, which is sort of like it became a feature in some of my work. So this was, I think, early 2000, yes. And I think um, there are two things about Richard's work that, that, that reappear even to this day. One is this concept of a checkerboard, and one is a concept of a box. Quite often, his um, subjects are contained within a box or within a series of boxes. Often, these boxes have no ceilings. Um, and it is one of the first things that really drew me to Richard's work, yeah. was this contained subject, um, but also the checkerboard. And we'll, we'll come on to yeah. the checkerboard in a minute, but, but rather than talk specifically about any one of these pictures, I think we'll just run through them quickly, just so you have an idea of uh, Richard's uh, works. Oh, and if I press it again, I even get a... Oh, yeah. I, I actually get the... Um, the title. Uh, And this, again, is another early work, Richard. Yes, yeah. around 2006. Yeah. Warrior and Goat. This actually was a, a work um, before I met Richard. It was a work that I'd seen and I was completely fascinated by. And I'd actually be quite interested if you could maybe tell us something about this work. We would do. Yeah. Which I was really interesting. Um, can you, is there a kind of... Well, I actually had a link with my archaeology studies. So it, actually, the title, if you can, if you, it's called Excavation. So we did some excavations oh. down when I was a student in Zimbabwe. So I decided and you to painted, but you painted this in Zimbabwe before? Yes, I did, yeah. In 2009, I was still okay. in Zimbabwe, yes. So here we're moving into work that um, is more recognizable, I think, yes. for um, some of Richard's collectors. And this is a work, I've, I first met Richard in 2010 yes. in Cape Town. And he was brought to my gallery with another artist. Um, and they walked in off the street. And yes. I knew Richard's name, and it was driving me mad. You know, So he was introduced me, and I knew that name. Because at the time, he was doing a lot of work with Gallery Delta, and many people know Gallery Delta. Yeah. It's a very well-known gallery in, in Zimbabwe, um, in Zimbabwe who, yeah. who's, who have mentored and nurtured many young Zimbabwean artists. And, um, and so I knew his name, and, and so I met him, and then literally the following day, I called Richard up, and I said, I said, you know, I need to meet you. You know, yeah. where are you working? And I was, I was completely overawed by his, um, by his paintings. And I bought a couple, and... Um, yeah, and this, this uh, is a great favorite of mine. It's called The Chinese Tailor. Um, I think it's fairly self-explanatory. Here yeah, is... is. Uh, <laughs> here is... Yeah. Uh, I think I was, uh, I was also planning to maybe focus on this one to explain about it yeah. later on. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, co we'll, come, we'll come back to that picture. Um, but this, this, for me, is one of Richard's most interesting works. Um, I think you know, we'll skip it a little bit for the moment, and maybe okay. we'll just set that on the screen when we... Um, and 
this is again is a more recent work, which again is absolutely fantastic. Um, so I say, if you haven't seen Richard's work, I mean, I think you know once you start to see some of these images, they really give you a sense. This this picture was shown at the first um, inaugural 154, and this was a very large work called The Last Judgment. There are many characters and individuals here that you will recognize. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Richard has quite a take on who they are. And yeah. I mean, this is a picture that's been shown um, at this fair. Appropriately titled, At the Art Fair. Uh, for those of us living in South Africa and possibly also in Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe yeah. this has um, certain relevance yes, and a big issue uh, for certain issues over the last yes. uh, maybe 10 years. Is this the last one on there? No, there's still a couple more. Okay. Yes. And this is the work, is this still hanging? Or? It's hanging, I think, on, on a Friday, but then okay. I took it down, yes. And this one on the opening okay. night. Okay. Right. So I think... And just forgive me if we've just run through some of these images, but as I say, considering so few of you actually know Richard's work or have seen his work, um, I just think it's, a, it's interesting to give you some idea of, of you know, what he paints, how he paints, and, and how he looks at things. Yeah. So I think, as I said, I first met Richard um, in 2010. I was quite interested when I first met Richard about also his early influences. Yes. And you know, here was a, a young artist. We have many young artists in South Africa who have come from Zimbabwe and some really fantastic painters. Um, and it's quite interesting at 154. There aren't actually many Zimbabwean artists being shown at 154. Yeah, there's quite a And in South Africa at yeah. uh, various art fairs, you're, you're used to seeing a considerable number yes. of South African artists yes. who have gained considerable prominence internationally as well. Yeah. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your early life and, and, your, and your family and what led you to draw and paint. Yeah, um, yeah from, from early age, I I've always, was always creative, um, always wanted to use my hands, used to draw. Um, but I think it really started when I was uh, 16 and I kind of became curious on how I would like to become an artist. So I contacted the... National Arts Council of Zimbabwe and asked them, I want to be an artist, please help me. <laughs> in that time, I, uh, I, I had There's discovered- many countries you can do that in, though. I just get in touch with the National Arts Council. Yes, please, please and actually they, they responded and they referred me to the National Gallery, which I went, and they told me I was too young to get into there because they have a National Visual Arts School, um, which is part of the National Gallery. But then I had fortunate enough that I got a response also from a gallery daughter, yeah. um, Derek Huggins. Uh, then we started communicating, 
and I would send him images of my little drawings that I'd made as a 16-year-old teenager, and he would encourage me um, to draw and observe. And I think and this, was this was a, this is a remarkable thing. Uh, yeah. I, I shouldn't say it's not in the past because it still exists about Gallery Delta and the people who run it is that they have part, almost single-handedly, yes. haven't they, kind yeah, of nurtured they have. They have. this burgeoning um, group of young artists from, yeah. from, from Zimbabwe and That's have managed true. to keep art relevant. That's true. I think the, uh, um, when I had a chat with Derek the other day, because in Zimbabwe the most known art was the Shona sculpture. Yeah. And then there was a sort of like a feeling that artists from Zimbabwe can only sculpt and not paint. But there were actually artists who could paint, but then they were being overshadowed by this Shona sculpture. But Shona sculpture in, it, <clears throat> in itself, again, this is completely misunderstood because this is not yes. historically, yeah. you know, you know, this is not a, a tradition either, is it? I mean, Shona sculpture, or is it? It, it, it uh, I would but, say it is, yes. But it's been affected quite, I mean, it's in like the last 50 years, I believe, it's been... Yes. It's kind of changed quite completely. Yeah, it is quite a, yeah, but I remember from, from reading from a book, I don't really know much about that, because um, I grew up amongst painters. As yeah. I, I studied um, amongst painters in which my mentor, Helen, but then I did later on research. Um, it was much more a tradition, yeah, because I had, I had, I had uh, artists that I researched about whose fathers were sculptors, and then they sort of like handed that down to the, to the to their, to their kids. But what I, I also believe is that the Zimbabwe birds were also sculptures. So I think that's where it starts, yeah. So these found in the Mashingo in the southern part of Zimbabwe. And I think that's where the tradition started. And your family, I mean, none of your family were artists. None of them were sculptors. None of them. How, and, and this is always quite interesting in a in kind of context of the continent, because many young artists, you know, they're the first generation artists. Yes. There's no connection, you know, in, in terms of quite even whether it's carving or, or anything else. Yeah. How, how did they react to your desire to become an artist? Well, they didn't know much about art in any case. They just <laughs> Were you expected to have a profession of a different kind or... Well, I think... your father is a kind of technical... He's yes, an my, my father is an electrician, yes, yeah. and my mother is a housewife. Yeah. But... Um, they never, under, they just encouraged me. They said I had talent and they only knew that with art, they only, so they, the one or two people who were famous at that time that they knew I think, And I think that about. actually in the kind of Western context, that's actually quite rare too, even, you know, yeah. let alone, you know, in, in Zimbabwe, but particularly even in the West or America or Europe. I mean, you know, most people would immediately sigh if one of their children said they want to become an artist because it's not yeah. always a path to uh, yeah. great recognition or great riches or, yeah. or it's not necessarily an easy... Yeah. Easy life. Well, when I was growing up, I never really wanted to. I ne they never, I never said to them I wanted to be an artist. Yeah. I, they, I took my education quite seriously as well, and um, I think they they thought it was a hobby I was doing, but then it culminated into eventually becoming um, and an what, artist. And, and was there a kind of a tipping point where you suddenly realised that this this was possible, you know, in terms of, was it, was, it a, was it a kind of artistic tipping point rather than the financial one, that you suddenly felt that you were able to create works that people would respond to? Because quite often artists, you know, get to a certain point yeah. and it's more about the finances that allow them to keep on yeah. producing works. But, but I think for you it was, no, it, it wasn't it's, about really, a, it's about the work. It was about yeah. the work, yeah. I think my mentor, Helen Diros, 
um, was a great, great mentor for me and he encouraged me. Well, they, they actually, she actually said money would, or financial success would actually ruin what you really are. So she encouraged me to work on the work, understand, paint or draw from inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the, I mean, you talk, we talked about Helen Nerissa, but also there were other artists who were yes. quite influential yeah. who helped you, weren't there, when yes. you were young? So when I, when I went to Gallery Delta, they invited me after the letters to come and, and see what they, because it was a gallery as well in Harare. And I went there, I think I was 17 at that time. And Helen Liris was also there. And she sort of like started giving me projects that I would do. And I would go home and I would draw still lives or draw my streets or draw my family members. And then I'll come and show her. And so she then give me other projects. But then during that time, I also met a group of artists who were staying in the area that I stayed, who were as part of the visual arts, the National Gallery of Visual Arts uh, studio. So every weekend we'd also meet and we'd draw with them and they would tell me about perspective, about uh, composition, about color mixing. Be because I mean, I think perspective is something that, that, that yes. has always interested you in, yeah. in, your, in your work, which it again comes yeah. back to the idea of the checkerboard and, and the containment and the boxes. True. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's always interesting. Yeah, so, so from, the, from then on, Helen sort of like realized that this young man is serious. And then she took me in, into her, into her um, she used to do, I think initially it was Greg Shaw, who, who was doing um, some extra lessons for his students. And then they just put me in into that lesson so I could grab some of the basics of, of, of composition. But it was mostly drawing, because they, they felt that drawing was the foundation for everything, yeah. or being a sculptor or a painter. And then I, later on, I think Helen started also doing her own um, Saturday morning classes, and then I moved into that. And for the next seven years, Every Saturday morning, I would go and... And, and I mean, what brought you to South Africa? I mean, it's quite interesting that South Africa, for many Zimbabwean artists, seems yeah. to be the first yeah. port of call, in effect. Sure. You know, they, yeah. they, they go to Johannesburg, then they yeah. go to Cape Town, yeah. and then they might go to New York or London, or they might go back, yeah. actually, which is what we're seeing now, is that we're seeing uh, artists going back and being able to work in Zimbabwe. Well, I think there's no doubt that South Africa is a stronger economy in the continent, and I think everyone... In terms of the arts, I mean... Well, in terms of the arts yeah. and... And in terms of collectors. In terms of collectors, but... So I thought, I think like many other artists who always moved to places where they can find a market and an audience, I, it was me and a friend, Walen Mapondera, one day just decided, can we go down to Joburg and see... If literally, can, literally, day. yes. Okay. So I was lucky enough that I worked for the British <laughs> Council, I was an intern there, and they were paying us uh, quite well. And then I'd saved a little money, and Wallen had made a few sales, and then we bundled up our savings, and we got into the bus, and we got into the train, and we ended up in Cape Town. <laughs> so Tell me, I think, um, I mean, your work, when we look at your work, um, there's, there's a very strong social narrative, quite, and often they're quite political. That's true. Um, I mean, when I first saw your work, I mean, a lot of the earlier works were influenced by old masters, by European old masters. So you would quite often interject a kind of political contemporary commentary into a slightly recognizable 
yeah. old master. Um, how do you see your work kind of evolving in the future from this? I mean, you still quite often maintain a strong political narrative. Is that, do you worry that in 100 years time people are going to look at these things and not, you know, is it relevant, is it not relevant, or is it just for you, you know, that, that it gives you real energy, I, I, I know. Well, if I, if I can go back a yeah. bit, I think pe before um, the uphills in Zimbabwe when the situation yeah. became uh, quite different, my work wasn't quite political, but then at, from that stage, because I had experienced the, the political situation, which was really bad around 2008, and there was all this content. Did it, but did it affect you personally? No, uh, well, it affected, it affected everyone. affected the whole country. It yeah. affected the whole yeah. country because the economy was bad, people yeah. were losing jobs, um, things were not quite good at that time. Um, so I had all this content that I wanted to, to churn out, and I was quite not, and then I saw the platform when I went to, to Cape Town, and when, when you and, and your Hans Bowman offered me to say I can, I can have a solo exhibition, and I decided <coughs> to, it was more of a strategy also though, to say how do I grab the, the people's attention? Um, why don't I recycle old masters, images that they already know, and then put my message in there and give it a new meaning? But with your own, I mean, certainly, you know, uh, figuratively, you know, yes. very much your own kind of specific style. Yeah. But I mean, do you, because you still, I mean, even um, uh, we've had, there have been pictures on exhibition here at 154, which still have quite a strong current kind of political yeah. message to mm. them. Well, um, I think, I think. And, which is, which, and there are many artists, um, particularly in South Africa, I think, I think there's something in, um, from a lot of young South African artists that, who, who do have a very strong political message. And it's not, uh, you don't necessarily see this from artists from the rest of the continent, I may, I may be wrong, but very specifically from South Africa, yeah. and even Zimbabwe, yes. a lot have a very overt, strong, um, whether it's you know, anti-government or anti-economic, or I mean, or if it's kind of, you know, I mean, they just quite often are taking specific, I mean, you've, you've taken your president from Zimbabwe, quite often he's appeared in, many of your paintings, but not necessarily in a completely disrespectful no, way. No, no. Um, I like President Zuma, who does seem to appear in many paintings from, you know, in South Africa, as, you know, in a, in, a, in a less than positive light, I think. But your, yours quite often have a more humorous element to it. Yeah, that's true. But, and I think also you, in, you introduce elements that are very specific to uh, Zimbabwean folklore. I mean, there are chickens that kind of- Yeah, like and that more also have a, a symbolic meaning in my, yeah. in my Shona identity, yeah. yes, yeah. But it goes beyond, um, it, it's, this just does not appeal to the Zimbabwean artist, I mean, audience. I mean, you know, hopefully it, it will kind of cross borders. But I want, I d again, I just want to get slightly back to this point of, of, of politics, because it is quite relevant. Yes. Um, how, you know, do you do you still see your inspiration coming from political events or, or movements or changes? I think if it's something that I have, uh, or do you think you've got to work through it? I don't know. Yes, I, if it's something that I experience, it's something that I'm interested in, and I want to say something. Yeah. I think the only way I can express that is through a painting. Yeah. I think some people will write about it, some people will take photographs, but for me, I I, I try to express my my sort of like my opinions. Through the artwork, and fortunate enough that other people also 
kind of like get it. Um, and do you think, and I, I mean, it's interesting, we had this conversation before about, I mean, your work has, uh, has just been exhibited, was it the National Gallery in Zimbabwe? Yes, yeah. And, and there you're, and you can still paint political scenes and, and take individuals um, uh, from kind of high profile individuals from Zimbabwe and, and paint them, exhibit them in Zimbabwe and not be criticized for it, which is quite interesting which many people, I think, would, would be quite surprised about, that you can, because it's, painting is not considered, in Zimbabwe, it's not considered you know, a form. Yeah, no. I think the audience is quite small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the people who usually come to art openings are not really the majority of people. So I think um, the people who are like-minded come to art, to art exhibitions, and they're not really... Yes, I mean, if you were a journalist writing in a newspaper, you wouldn't be able to write certain things, but your yes. message, you can get your message across in terms of the painting, Yes, and you can create a very powerful message, and you can also exhibit this painting without being castigated or, or you know, having the painting removed, or, you know, which in certain countries would happen. It's an issue, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, which, uh, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, the, the continent is one of texture, color, you know, not looking to the past, it's a very young continent. Um, and your work is very individual. I mean, it certainly blends, I mean, your work has a considerable amount of color in it. Um, it has texture, it has color. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can explain this, this theory of a checkerboard um, yes. to, to us. I mean, yeah. and just talk about the checkerboard. So uh, when I was a student at, with, with Helen Leros, we had a, she gave us a topic called the chess game of life. So the, sort of like the idea was that life itself was a game. So we all play and you knock each other out as survival of the fittest. So the first painting that I showed you, that's, that was my first one okay. from that topic. And then it just clicked on from there. And it also helped, as, I, as, you, as you said, with the perspective, because the checkerboards were sort of like small one and then you create illusion of space as well as you like play around with the checkerboards as well. And so that also enabled my work to have depth and to play around with perspective and I could place sort of like my images or... And, and clothes, I mean clothes again form a very important, shoes and clothes, I mean less so now but originally yeah. clothes and shoes were very important. I mean is there a link to La Sapa, I mean to La Sapa or, or is this something that you've evolved? I mean, what is it about shoes, particularly? Because we're looking at pictures that it doesn't actually really have many shoes. shoes I mean, yeah. here we've mm -hmm. got you know, some quite fancy shoes. Yeah, but there's not quite really. I just enjoy shoes. So I like to put them in my work <laughs> and clothes. Um, I would say some clothes also tell the personality of the person, I think. If you're an army officer and you have all these badges and and in fact, I don't think we have the image here, but again, um, uh, quite often, you know, there are a lot of people, you know, who are uh, unclothed, you know, and, yeah. and, but I think you know, there is a kind of... Yeah, there's also a kind of, with those who are unclothed, more vulnerable. Yeah, yeah but also sure. quite often when you, you give people a certain, I mean, um, there is a picture actually we it here where you have... Um, some naked people talking to goats, which are journalists, and you're certain elements of society are unclothed. Yes. Certain people are clothed. It's yeah. positions of power. Yes. Um, and, and purity as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, I quite like to move back to the um, 
the Chinese tailor if we can, if we can find it, because I think this is a, a particularly interesting work where, although it's a political work, it really transcends politics um, and becomes something quite interesting. Um, so I think China, as we all know, is playing quite an important role on the continent in terms of its economies. Um, your view, though, is possibly a little bit different. You feel that it's remaking Africa. Yeah, I can sort of like a um, recolonization yeah. of Africa. Um, um, let's just find this. That, but that's my view, and I tried to show that in that painting. So it's sort of like and, and China's appeared, but you've it's. China's appeared in several works now, is that correct? Or is it just one? I think it's just this yeah. one, as far as I So I mean, maybe, maybe talk us through some of the elephant elements of this work. Yeah, so it's sort of like, what, what I was saying is like the, um, <sighs> plotting the new boundaries of, South Af of Africa. So I think the, the Chinese have been very um, involved in Africa for quite some time. So I'd, I'd, I, got, I was thinking about that. And there's sort of also a form of sort of like slavery, uh, using um, locals. Cheap labor. Cheap labor. Um, but, the manager, but the managers are all Chinese. And the managers are yeah. all Chinese. Uh, so this is the, old, the extraordinary thing if you, go, you know, if you go around building sites and you'll see this huge Chinese project and you'll have all the Chinese managers. Yes. Yeah, directing operations, all the workers, you know, are local. But are locals. The, yeah. And then which, a situation which happened during uh, the colonial period, yeah. yeah. So, and just so tell me the, 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 the characters on the, on the um, clothes uh, hanging up, what are so, so for me, it's like they're getting the raw materials from, from the continent and producing these goods and selling them to the world and then the, the profits don't go back to the, to the continent. I mean, I think it's a particularly, this was a particularly strong and evocative work. I think I, I have touched on earlier this, this, this thing about your, also your figures, you know, the way you paint them, and your, your faces always have a very specific yeah. look and yes. feel. I mean, they're, they're almost kind of cubist. In cubist, yeah. I, I really enjoyed um, or inspired by Picasso's work, even though I don't, want, I don't really directly... Well, I don't, I don't look at yeah. your work, and I don't, I don't really think Picasso, but in terms of your faces, I mean, yeah. that's something. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you've really kept that. That's been a continual theme that's throughout a really all continual your work. continual theme, yes, yeah. Um, do, you, do you think, I mean, just coming back to this idea of, of, of painting in South Africa at the moment, and just to talking in general terms of, uh, about artists for the very first time who are able to produce work and live on the continent that they were born in. I mean, this is a fairly recent phenomenon. In the past, historically, many artists have left the continent, yeah. they've had to go to Europe to succeed. But we're seeing quite a revolution now on the ground. Yeah. And I think partly it's down to, obviously, you know, this new, um, it's down to art fairs, it's down to uh, collectors, it's yeah. down to the press and the media. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel that there'll be a time that you can actually go back and paint in Zimbabwe? Do you want to do that? Yeah, or? I would love to do that. I like to go and paint in Zimbabwe. Um, I, think not, I think we are living in exciting times. I think with technology, the world is becoming more globalized and you don't really need to leave Africa to 
outcome no. yet established. You can actually work in one place. But you have, like, I mean, you're here. This is your first. This uh, is my first. <laughs> this is your first trip out of Africa. So yes, yeah. Uh, so because uh, for me, my content, the content in the work, is inspired by Africa, yeah. and so what I what I paint is what I what I experience in the continent. So, so, so it so will be difficult for me to leave and yeah. go into a new space that I not really understand the environment. So now you've arrived in, in sunny London, um, <laughs> leaving this <laughs> African light. Do you, I, I'm just wondering whether this little taste of, um, uh, 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 of Europe will, although actually not everybody will thank me for saying that uh, the United Kingdom is part of Europe, but um, will you, um, uh, I wonder if this will inspire you yeah. in other ways, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of your subject matter, having seen, you know, this mad, bustling city, you know, yes. which is yeah. quite alien to, to what I've where we all live. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. No, I, I think, well, I've been to the National Gallery and to other various cultural places. And, got some and, has that, and actually, you've probably seen some of the paintings that, yes, actually, you, that, you, yes, that, that I've, have, you've included in yes, your, in your uh -huh. work. So um, that, was, that was quite something. I'm sure. Were I'll they were they disappointing? No, they were not. I just wondered no. because obviously you're, the, most of what you've seen has been either on a computer screen or in a or, book. Or in or, a book, yeah. yes, Sarah. No, I was quite quite impressed to see them in real life. Oh, good. Yes. When you could walk past the people who just take pictures on their phones. That's true. Um, do you? I mean, just going forward again, coming back to this, this point of, of of working on the content, leaving. Do you, do you think that it's do you think it's important for an artist to leave, you know, to work overseas to get experience? Um, is that something you can see yourself doing? I mean, would you like to travel, do you think? I mean, I just think, because your work does have such a strong social commentary. Yes. Yeah, no, I would, I would love to travel and see um, and experience other things. Um, but I think working on the continent as well, it's quite difficult. I think it's quite material and finding space and trying to survive also because I think as, as, a, as a young artist you're not employed you're trying to survive to pay the bills yeah. and the work is not being sold that so it's quite difficult to work on the continent and I think it's important that artists also have the opportunity to come to spaces like this and showcase their work so they can improve their profile and I, I think eventually Survive yeah. on their art. Yeah. There's, I mean, and kind of that, that's you know talking about surviving. You know, you know, it, it brings me down to another point, which seems to be quite relevant at the moment, um, and particularly as we're at this. I mean, I had dinner with someone the other night who was talking about the the contemporary African market, similar to the Chinese contemporary art market in the 80s. That there's this, and it's being written about constantly. It's this kind of surge of interest, this kind of potential bubble, kind of. Of you know, and collectors kind of running around, desperate to find the next new artist, and um, you know, who should they buy? What should they get? Yeah. And inevitably, that leads to a, con a considerable amount of speculation, yes. and and kind of almost fervor in the market, which I, I, I find slightly, I'm not sure if distasteful is the right word to use, but it, which it is. I mean, I think that how do you you know do you have any um, do you have any feeling about this kind of scramble? It's like this kind of new energy that's being directed, this kind of, um, it's like a new scramble for African art. You know, is this something that, 
you're aware of? Do you, because you interact with the collectors, and I think this is also do, quite yeah. unusual, because quite often artists are completely separate from their collectors. Yeah. They're kept separate by their dealers and by their galleries, but you yeah, no, specifically interact, and you make a point of interacting with them. Yeah, I, I, I do enjoy interacting with them, I think, to get also their And you go and, and stay with them, you go and have lunch and dinner with them. That, and I th that's for the, true. For the collector, that's fantastic. I it mean, is. it's very special. I think I feel if I, maybe they understand me, they will understand my work much better as well. Uh, that's sort of like my take on that. And what um, do you get from them? I also get, well, um, knowledge and maybe information about the market and their collecting habits and just being friends. I think creating a relationship with them is also quite important. I think if they support me over a long period of time, that would be good. Because I think, I think, and I might be wrong, I think that's quite, I, it's quite refreshing because, as I say, quite often the artists, you know, they do want to remain totally separate from their collectors. They yes. don't necessarily want to engage with their collectors. I think they find it can complicate yeah. you know, the work that they produce because you're not, I mean, you don't accept commissions. No. I know that you've been asked, haven't you? I, I have been, yeah. I yeah, have which you won't, yeah. yeah you but well, the way I think is I, I, I kind of also think that an artist is an entrepreneur yeah. and you have to produce some goods and sell it to a customer. <laughs> you, must also, <laughs> you must also keep the customer happy um, in yeah. some way. Or interact with them. Maybe not keeping them happy, but interact with them, know who they are. Um, but I mean, when you're consciously, when you're creating a work, you're not, you know, th this is, the work is very personal to you. And it I, is, I know no, it is. So you're not thinking of the end result. You're no, not I'm thinking not thinking of the of market the that it's going to. And I think, I mean, I think that's quite obvious by the work that we see. I yes. mean, as I say, I think it's a very individual work. It is. And I don't it's think it's aimed at, specifically at the market. No, I mean, I don't go, I mean, I, I, I don't know how many of you have been to Freeze, but I mean, I certainly haven't been to Freeze or Freeze Masters on 154 and seen anything really remotely similar to, to a Richard Mudariki painting out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I might be wrong, but that's, and that's, 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 that's me personally. Um, um, Mark, just, just going back to yeah. the other question you asked about um, the scramble for Africa. Ah, the scramble <laughs> for Africa. <laughs> well, my thought on that is that I think in the African continent, we have always been creative, always new, new and exciting stuff happening, but then the light wasn't shone on us. And I think now the light is on us. And I think that's why we have all these people interested in it. And I think it's for the, art, for the African artists a good time to really show and pull up their socks. And, and, but also this is down to the collectors. Because it's yes. the very first time that you're seeing collectors on the continent yes. um, buying into um, cult, their, their, you know, kind of history and culture and wanting to engage with the young artists and wanting to collect their yeah. works which I think is very important. It is. I mean, do you find, you know, in terms of how many of your buyers, you know, live on the continent? And I kind of also ex slightly exclude South Africa, which is, which is quite different. It has a very yeah. engaged community, artistic community, yes. and, and, yeah. and buying, yes. you know, community and collectors. Yeah, it actually has a, quite a mature market yeah. Yeah, compared to other countries on the continent. And in terms of international collectors, how do you think... Have you engaged with many international collectors? I think I've engaged with very few, but I think mostly, most of them are from South Africa, right. um, a bit from other parts of the continent as well. 
but I don't, I don't have all the information. But the I know actually at, at 154, quite, quite a number of your, uh, the, the paintings that have been purchased at 154 have certainly not been, have been by international collectors. They're not necessarily from Africa. Um, but I think this comes back to this whole point of that, that for the very first time that you know, artists are able to produce works yeah. and survive on the continent without leaving. Yeah. And in turn, there's a whole new breed of collectors who are interested in acquiring those works. Yeah. Which um, is exciting. And I, I, I kind of also feel that it will be important to also have some of the work to stay on the continent so that, well, other artists following us, we have something to see and create. So the notion of art leaving the continent, you know, by speculators, international speculators, I mean, this is something that you don't particularly like. You would rather that work stayed on the continent to provide a kind of, it's part of culture, I mean, it's cultural heritage, I suppose. Um, well, it depends, but... <laughs> and you've got to survive. The, art, the, the artist has got to survive. Yeah, the you know, artist the has artist to survive. Got to survive and, uh, you know, and that's, you know, you've, you've got to be able to feed yourself. And that's feed yourself, yes. Yeah. So I think if anyone so comes... So you can, you can stand on high and be quite kind of high and mighty about it, but ultimately... Ultimately, yeah, yeah. yes. I think, I think in South Africa we have the art phase, and in, in Dakar, the Biennale, and I think those are two important events also happening yep. on the arts in, in Africa. You, I, I'm just, we're going to take a few questions in a minute. Um, I just want to, there's one thing that I know you, you, you mentioned to me. You said um, an art career is a marathon. Yes, it is. Well, Why? according to me. <laughs> according, okay. I think it, it, it takes a lot of, um, a lot of, well, someone can be talented. You can draw, you can paint pretty, and you can... But I mean, a marathon, then, is, a marathon is quite a strong word. Yes, I think, well, looking at some of the artists that I've, I like, I've seen that they've developed over a long period of time to get to a certain point. Um, I kind of not like the sort of like 15 minutes of fame. You are famous now, and then 20 years later, no one really recognize you. And I, I think also historically there's, there, there have been many, many young artists on the continent who failed to make it. It's not because, I mean, they've had the talent. Yes. They just haven't had the opportunity. The opportunity, yeah. Um, and, and whether it's opportunity from, you know, they just don't have a support structure. So they're not supported by state, they're not supported by families or their communities because having an artistic career is historically not been on the cards, but now, I mean, that's changed quite dramatically. Yeah, it has. So the marathon might not be quite as arduous for you going forward. Well, I think, I think an artist always want to, to sort of like rediscover themselves. I know you're often put under pressure by a <laughs> dealer to produce work. You know, but, you know, yeah, um, so I think in, in a sense that you, you, you sort of like want to, um, I'm, I obviously think the painting, the work that I'm producing now won't be the same that I'll be producing later. Maybe I'll have developed, well, I I'd increased mean, my yeah. skill, my knowledge, having traveled, having met people and interacted with other artists. And I think my work could develop even more. That's why I, I kind of feel it's more of a long, long process than just... Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's very important that, you know, it shouldn't remain static. I mean, yes. static, and it's a question of also, you know, you see this, what is an organic process that... that the, the, the change, how your work 
will change. And that uh, comes back to what we talked about at the beginning, is that yes. where you have this very strong political, social commentary, if you become solely known for that, how do you move away from it? I mean, I know it's very important to you, but yes, it's yeah. quite a difficult, difficult thing to kind of move away from. Yeah, but my work is more based on experiences. Yeah. So the different, so if you're what I experienced in 2008 or 2009 yeah. might be different to what I'll be experiencing um, 10 years later. Yeah. And I'll try to highlight that in my work. I think as an artist, uh, some of our roles is to document in, indirectly what is happening to society at a particular time. And, and, and I mean, if we go again back to that kind of concept of the international audience just opposed to a local audience, because some of the, some of the, um, the images that literally just relate to a, 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 a local event. Yes. Um, like, um, like this other painting of the fall of the... the fall of <laughs> the... Yes, the which I, I think fall. quite yeah. a lot of people won't know... Yes. What this is, you know, what, what, what that's all about. Yeah, so there was an um, issue of transformation in South Africa, and, um, and, and there were the students at the University of Cape Town uh, wanted the, the statue of Sister John Rose to be removed. And I kind of also got inspired by that and, I, and thought I would share my ideas on it, and then I produced a painting. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I think. We should probably, because I just looked at time, have, um, we've got time for a few questions. So I don't know if anyone's got anything that they would like to. Yes, hello. So the way I work <laughs> is that um, I do sketches. I do write about it um, now and then. But sometimes it's just instant, because sometimes the image is already in my head of what I want to put down. Um, and then I go in front of the canvas, and I start painting. But sometimes in the process, um, things change. That color might not work. This composition might not work. And it transforms from then on. So it's not, it's not quite straightforward to say, I'll sketch and write about it and paint, and then there comes a painting. It's, it's also, the process is a surprise sometimes. I, I think, actually, what's quite interesting is what you've, uh, it's worthwhile noting is that Richard is not a very prolific artist. I think that's right. Yes, yeah, because the he works does are not, quite You know, some artists produce an enormous amount of, an enormous volume of work. They may not all come to the market, um, but, but Richard does not produce 10 paintings a month. Yeah, no, because the work is quite interesting. Some people would be delighted if he produced 10 paintings, <laughs> but I think, you know, you don't, you don't produce a huge no, amount. No, no, I think it would be exhausting for me creatively uh, to produce yeah. all that, because um, I also have to develop the ideas, and if I, even if I have an idea and I sit in front of a canvas, it might change, and then I'm, I might be stuck, but you, but you don't have sketchbooks. I mean, some. I do. Know. I do have sketchbooks. Yeah. Yes, but the, I don't sketch the whole painting. So you it might be ideas, specific characters, specific characters, yeah. and then combine that to come into a painting. Okay. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yes. Uh, can I just? Oh, sorry. Yes. 
Yes. Do you mainly use that to create a space within, like, the, the square that you're painting in? Is that what you were saying before about the cube? Yes, I, well, that's... I mean, the checkerboard, sorry. Yes, so I kind of see life itself as a game, so the game of chess. And at the same time, it also creates perspective for me. So it has sort of like two uses in my work. Yes, sorry, yes. Oh, we've got a microphone now. Hi, yeah. Um, I'm interested to know who are some of the older uh, generations Zimbabwean artists who you're inspired by. Okay. Um, so I kind of have what I have come up with, like first generation, second generation, and third generation artists, Zimbabwean artists. I kind of feel there was a first generation of artists who were not quite recognized because they were overshadowed by the Shona sculpture. There was a guy called uh, Kingsley Sambo and um, Thomas Nkorobwa. And then later after those uh, group of artists, then there was a, a group of artists who started working at Gallery Delta, Louis Mack, George Churu, Hilary Kashiri, um, Richard Witikani. And then I grew up, I, I started. And, and these are artists who, I have to say, it's quite difficult to find their work. They are, it is, it is. I mean, this is, this is, these artists are not easy to find. They're not hanging in on gallery walls. Uh, and I, I mean, it, you've actually slightly opened the door to a very complex oh. question that's going on at the moment. You know, so everybody is so focused about contemporary art at the mo on the continent that we shouldn't necessarily forget artists who were producing work over the last 180 years. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it's, it's, it's another subject for discussion that seems to be happening at yeah. the moment. So when I was under uh, Helen Liros's um, class, and then these artists were showing in the gallery, yeah. so I would see all these works on the wall and get inspired, and sometimes meet the artists as well, and ask them tips as a student and as, as a young artist uh, during that time. So I was quite inspired by those as well. Well, and also, uh, old European masters, and the fact that my mentors, Helen and Greg, are all themselves great artists as very well. Very well-known artists. Yes, very well-known artists. I, I mean, if pe people want to see um, sim you know, art from Zimbabwe um, produced from, let's say, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, I mean, which is what you're talking about here, yeah. or 50s, 60s, I mean, where would they go? I think the National Gallery. A Ferrari. Of uh, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Gallery Delta as well. Yeah. Because okay. uh, I know um, Derek has, has a quite a, a huge collection of the Zimbabwean okay. artists that he has worked with over the years. Yeah. Because I think the gallery has been in existence for over 40 years now. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and they have maintained some kind of catalogue of works. Have yes. They? Yeah. They've, they actually ran uh, a magazine. Uh, a couple of years ago, it's called Gallery, and it has very, very good okay. um, articles and images of Zimbabwean artists during that period. Okay, do we have another? Uh, uh, sorry, yes. Thank you very much. Um, I just wanted to ask a question about the uh, painting, the Passover. Um, let's move, let's, shall we, let's, let's, let's go back to the Passover. Yeah. 
um, fascinating, brilliant painting. Thank you. Um, I wanted you to maybe elaborate and explain to us what is going on there. And uh, the second part of my question is around uh, exhibiting in Harare, Zimbabwe. Did you exhibit this particular painting and what was the reaction <laughs> or response of the audience? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we slightly touched on this, but yes. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> no, no, I didn't exhibit this in Zimbabwe. No. It was part of my first exhibition in Cape Town. Um, as I said, I, I had all this content that I had, having lived in Zimbabwe and having heard people's opinion and also my opinions that I had, that we felt that, um, well, a lot of people, I don't know if I'll get in trouble, that we should think that the president should give but, us but, opportunity. But, but, but theoretically then, now, you probably yeah. could exhibit this paining. I mean, I, I, I mean this, or, or not, you don't think you could? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've never, but it's not, I've, a clear, it's not clear cut. Yes, I mean, I've never lived under in any circumstances. You know, he's going to be locked up. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I've never. It has been a debate. I haven't, I haven't been in, because I've been seeing in South Africa for, for the past four years yeah. now. So I'm not quite really. In no, but your paint, your paintings have gone back to yeah. big. Yes, they've. I think over the past year or so, that's when. But I, I tried during the time I moved to, to South Africa to try and get into that market. Yeah. So I actually worked there until um, I said but, but Richard had, I, I mean, I don't know how many group shows you participated in in Zimbabwe. I mean, I mean yeah, quite 20, 30, yes. I mean, a considerable number. But the days. works that you were showing then were not so politically driven or, or were no, they? They no. were not, they were not. I think that kind of answers my question. Can you tell us about the painting? <laughs> I know, yeah. So it's actually called the Passover. So the pass, like, we uh, wish um, our leader to maybe move. And he invites, sort of like inviting all his people he has interacted with to his final dinner. And then he moves on. His final dinner. Yes. <laughs> and then some of the elements, which I think are probably within the painting, so the chicken... Yes. And maybe some of these, these, these details, which I think, you know, might be interesting to talk about. I mean, particularly, obviously, the chicken is something. Yes. So there's these uh, friends and these enemies all coming up to the, well, to the Last Supper, but I titled it the Passover. Yeah. But the chicken has particular relevance, doesn't it? What is the chicken? Uh, yo, yes, the chicken is, the cocker actually is a symbol of, yeah, yeah of a national party, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the chicken is somewhat dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's and, and, one interpretation. And the, and, the, and, the, and the grass, oh, I don't know, maybe it's alive, but it's... <laughs> and the grasshopper? Well, my, 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 my take on grasshoppers is mostly on migration and destruction. Yeah. So if they, they attack, like, well, I remember when I was a kid, when you have uh, grasshoppers attacking a field, everything will sort of like be gone. Okay. Yeah, and they move in, in big spaces, like how Zimbabweans have moved all over the, the world because they're trying to look for opportunities. Okay. And, I mean, so you've got, yes, yeah, so, so, so the chicken represents what, the National Party? Yes. Yeah. And, and grass, okay. And, I mean, I think most of us can probably recognize many of the people within, um, within the work, too. Uh, many of whom are actually no longer with us, actually, or not in the positions that they were when this painting was actually produced. 
Yes, there was a lady, there was someone at the back. Yes, sorry, yeah. Hi, oh. um, Richard, earlier Mark <coughs> implied that painting, political painting, that you should move on from political painting to something more interesting. Um, I read that actually political painting is very interesting for you and I wondered if you could speak about that. Well, I wouldn't say political painting is something that, um, I, I wouldn't call myself a political painter, I call myself a, so, a, a social commenter. Uh, but then the influence that I, the experience I had whilst I was living in Zimbabwe during a time where it was, uh, the politics were quite, that's why I decided to, to do the works. So it was from that that I started to do works that had a, uh, a political message or a political theme, I would say. But I would like to move to more philosophical work, um, commenting on things happening in Africa besides, well, some politics, because I think politics is always part of our lives and some social and some artistic as well and creative. And it's something I mean, some, some of the newer works don't necessarily have a poli a, a, an overt political reference. I mean, there's one, I don't know if it's hanging downstairs, which has, which has rather made that Super Mario bounding yeah. around it. Mm. I hadn't seen Super Mario appearing for a while, but it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I mean, I, I don't, is it hanging at the moment? Yes, at it Artco. is. So, so, it's, uh, so you have Mario appearing, and I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a play. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I try to play with various themes, but sometimes it will have hidden meanings. Uh, and to my mind, you're a, you're a commentator rather, it's not that you know, you're, you're a chronicler, I suppose. Yes, yeah, I would say so too. Okay. Do we have anything, any other questions? Yes, sir. This is probably, I think, the last, the last question. Hi, Richard. Oh, Ooh, it's very strong. <laughs> um, it's, good. It's, uh, it's Ben. Um, going back to your color palette, which I find amazing. Thank you. Um, is that an organic process for you in much of the same way as when you approach a new painting or you doing color studies? So I think in some of the later paintings, especially fixing Africa, yeah. you've got a complete spectrum of color going yeah. on. And I just wanted to hear a bit more about that. No, I think it comes, much, I, I never really started much color. I, well, I work very well with, with acrylic paint. And I think staying on the continent is quite colorful itself. So if you go out, like I remember when I go out, there's color all over. And so I think that's how it's a reflection, it's a reflection yes, of the environment. Uh, yes. I, I mean, it's very hard if you live in England yeah. to have a concept, particularly <laughs> if you look out of a window. <laughs> But you know, it is a young, it's a young continent. It is very colorful texture and yeah, color, and I think, do form. Yes. You know, I lived so. in England for many years. I mean, I still can't get over the color, you know. Color and light are too changey slightly. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if there's no more, are there any more questions? Oh, okay, one last. Thank you. Uh, there's just a microphone. Just going back to your point, you know, when you were saying how you learned about painting, um, and I'm curious, what are the networks of support for artists um, out there? I'm talking more in some sort of professional support. Are there networks that exist or, you know, where could you exhibit, for example, this, this piece of work here? Um, 
Well, I don't know much in, in Zimbabwe. It depends which country It depends which country you're in. Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, yeah. yes. Uh, in Zimbabwe, there's very few. I think there's only, there's only I, well, I know the National Visual Arts School and then the National Gallery and Gallery Delta and a few new art galleries which have started over the past five years. Um, but there's not really much like arts organizations or networks or support systems to help the artists showcase. So I think that's something that needs to be developed. Um, but in South Africa, it's quite difficult. It's quite different, I mean. So, I mean, South Africa you know, it's chalk and cheese between South Africa and, and Zimbabwe. I think what I would say about Zimbabwe, which I think is quite interesting, is that there's a real, apart from the fact that there are a considerable number of very, very successful artists working um, uh, at the moment from Zimbabwe, exhibiting all over the world, and I mean phenomenally successful. And this has happened really in a matter of the last four to five years. Yes. Um, now, you know, you would expect there to be a considerable support network to allow them to exhibit within their own country. I mean, this hasn't happened uh, in the recent past, no, but I think it will change. I mean, there are a number of galleries popping up in, uh, you know, at the moment in, yeah, in uh, Zimbabwe, and yeah. they're managing to survive, they're managing to have exhibitions, and they're managing to assist artists, um, and whether that's by collaborating with international galleries, but you know, more are opening. And at the same time, I think the National Gallery, and you must tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. are very keen to um, uh, showcase internationally you know, what's being produced in the country. So this year's Venice Biennale, in fact, where I think it's the third Biennale. It's the third, uh, third Biennale. Third Biennale yes, that, uh, that Zimbabwe has had a pavilion. Yes. And actually quite a successful pavilion as well. I mean, if you compare it to the travesty of the Kenyan pavilions, which have been quite well documented. I mean, actually, Zimbabwe has, has a very well thought out um, pavilion. You know, you may or may not like what it is, but actually they have very good artists. And those artists are being picked up internationally. So what you see at the Zimbabwean pavilion, you know, you have galleries. I mean, there are commercial galleries fighting for some of these artists. I mean, there's a young artist called Gareth Neody, you know, who was shown at the, um, the who's on show at the current um, uh, Venice Biennale. Yeah. I mean, his work has just been shown at the Johannesburg Art Fair, you know, and in two different galleries. He was not really seen much before that. So, you know, I think it will come. I think it will come. There's certainly a recognition that that, that there needs to be something on the ground. Yeah, and I think the artists are also inspired yeah. to because now there's this opportunity to show at the Biennale and in other spaces in South Africa yeah. and in London as well. Great. So. Thank you. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you. Great, thank you.